Welcome to Side Effects. Effect versus affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Braybender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, an MB co-host and one of the industry's brightest guests to dive deep into the process of good employee benefits. Let's get started. Today, we're joined by founder and CEO of Garner Health, Nick Reber. Nick has incredible experience in the research, data analytics, and provider network development realm with years under his belt at Oscar Health and Bridgewater Associates. His passions are parallel to McGowan Braybenders when it comes to providing higher quality care for lower costs. It sounds wrong, but it's true. Garner Health is an innovative company that is breaking away from the pack to provide real healthcare solutions. Nick will help us dissect the problems within the payer-provider hospital negotiations and how Garner is setting out to fix it. Without further delay, welcome Nick to the show. Hello, Scott. How are you today? You know, I'm great. Sun's out. I think spring's on its way. I'm with you. I yeah, know. I'm ready. And we have an amazing guest, Nick. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Kenzie. Thank you, Scott. And you're coming from New York City, correct? I am. I'm here in the freezing cold. Oh. Now, mm-hmm. And you just got back from L.A., which probably wasn't I, I was. That was, uh, yeah, it was a regret- regrettable decision, but I'm here. There you go. Back home. Hey, you know, Nick, when we were on the phone uh, and Nick and I, we've probably been talking for, I don't know, maybe even six months, but for our listeners' benefit, I was really impressed with your uh, your background. So for our listeners, just maybe do the speed racer version of where Nick came from, where you are in your experience and, and go from there. Awesome. So um, I'm a data scientist originally was an investment partner and ran the sort of algorithmic trading group at Bridgewater, which was a large investment firm. And then like a lot of the people probably listened to this, became a patient myself, had some low quality care that led me to dive into healthcare where I helped get uh, this company, Oscar Health off the ground, which is a new uh, technology driven health plan with about half a million members. Um, And basically, which I'm sure we'll get into, got a little frustrated with standard manage care negotiations and, and things you have to do as a health plan and, and started Garner from that. Well, you uh, MBA from Brown, fair? Uh, no, just undergrad. I don't have an Ad, advanced degree. You went to don't Brown, give me too much credit. Fair. I went to Brown. <laughs> yep, that is trading, fair. Went to Oscar yeah. Health, lots of experience. You know, I've met like three people on this planet. They're really smart. And you're, you're in the, you're in the first two. I haven't met the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Pacman, 46 Brooklyn, one of the smartest guys. Nick's probably in second place. And then the third one's going to maybe show up on a podcast here soon. Yeah, that'd be nice. Awesome. So, Nick, um, the main reason of our, our conversation today, you just touched on it, is low-quality care. And I was hoping you could explain kind of the point of our conversation today. Um, what is this higher-quality health care at lower costs? And how are medical, medical carriers doing it today, or how should they be doing it? Yeah, great. It's a, it's a, you know, people often think that it's weird to get higher quality and lower costs. That's not true in cars and houses and all that stuff. But it's actually, if you look at the data, it's very true in healthcare. And the basic reason is if you are healthy, you spend less time in the hospital, less time recovering, less time getting additional follow on care. So if we can find you to get the right procedure 
at the right time with the right person who's going to do a great job, you can have a huge, I mean, a huge impact both in your, as a patient, your costs, but also your employer, your health plan cost as well. So that's what we really think is, is an important sort of win-win for everyone in the healthcare world. Yeah. And don't you think there's this misnomer that higher quality would be um, higher cost inside of our healthcare delivery system? For sure. It, I mean, it's crazy. And one of the things that people don't think about is that the actual physician bill is only about 25% of the overall premium that you pay. So you can, and, um, and the office visits for physicians are, you know, only a couple percent. So you can afford to pay, you know, hundreds of dollars per visit with a fancy physician. That doesn't mean you're going to have a high overall cost of care. Um, it really doesn't matter as much what that visit is. It really matters how well that physician diagnoses you and how well they perform those procedures. And if they do those things well, that's how you get higher quality and lower cost at the same time. And I think for our listeners' benefit, I, I think one of the things that's interesting, you have experience in being with the healthcare Oscar Health, but most health insurance companies want a large panel of doctors and hospitals in their network so they can sell a product. Yeah. For our listeners' benefit, um, most health systems own 85 to 90% of the physicians in a geographic region. So yeah. what health and, insurance yeah. companies aren't going to do is they're not going to call out who's the good doctor, who's the bad doctor, and a health uh, system certainly isn't going to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's something that's really changed, and I think a lot of people really don't understand, that sort of aren't aware that that's a huge change over the last 15 to 20 years in healthcare. We've gone from 20% of doctors being owned or contracted with big hospital systems to, as you're saying, 85% nationally or more. And what that means is that, and I know be running an insurance company and building networks, that really your goal is, you know, even if you want to have the conversation on individual doctor quality to understand which doctors are really producing the best outcomes, unfortunately you can't because you essentially have to take all those doctors with the hospital system or not have a product that you can really sell because you're going to have no doctors and then everybody's going to say well you don't have any doctors in your network and so as that's when i said when i said i was frustrated with the health plan world that's sort of the reason why is the units of sort of standard network contracting have gotten very big and coarse grained and don't allow you to add value back to the patient in the way that frankly you used to 20 years ago right nick i wanted to go back to the, my previous question too about medical carriers, and why aren't they already doing that? Are they already doing that today? Yeah, there's, so there are a ton of barriers around <clears throat> understanding individual physician performance. The most important thing that, that I didn't cover previously is that if you really wanna to get to quality, you have to look at the doctor level. And the, the data is very clear that you go to every hospital system, even the highest, most brand name, centers of excellence, hospital systems in the country. And there's huge variation in how doctors practice medicine and the outcomes they generate. And unfortunately, so you have to go to the doctor level level in order to deliver quality in a plan. And because you're as an insurance company, the only decision you can make is, do I take all the doctors in this hospital system in my network or none? 
then you really have that you have that problem and it really puts you in a bind as a, an insurance company. And really, uh, my view became that you need a third party that's not the health system. It's not the insurance company if you're going to solve this problem. Yeah. So, Nick, great clarification. So, for example, a carrier negotiates the rate for a delivery of a baby, right? So they neg- so it doesn't matter if it's doctor A, B, C, D, E, or F. It doesn't matter. So the flat rate is this is the charge. Now, from from our standpoint, from your standpoint, a, a physician that has a higher C-section rate than another is a big deal. The quality Correct. metrics inside that is a big deal. Now, mm-hmm. a carrier is not going to call that out. And quite frankly, if the rate is negotiated the same amount, regardless of who, who's doing that, I, I, I don't want to say they don't care because they do. They just don't have a lot of incentive. And the undercurrent, and let's just say the artificial noise. Nobody wants to call that out. The health system doesn't want to call out the quality physician and the carrier doesn't want to call out the quality of the physician. Right. Correct. And, and really the, having sat in the room on this in the health plan side, what's interesting is you're always trying to cut deals across different products. So you've got your commercial employer business, you've got your Medicare business, your Medicaid business, et cetera. And, and basically you go into the room and you say, Hey, these doctors have a high C-section rate. And they say, the hospital says, well, that's our revenue. If you keep them all in in your commercial product and all rank them tier one, I'll give you a discount on your Medicaid or your Medicare. And so there's this weird cross-trading, which doesn't make any sense for the employer because you just want to have the highest quality, lowest C-section, highest quality doctors you possibly can. But all there's all this horse trading you have to do between a hospital system and a carrier that really nobody, you know, really on the employer side knows about or, or really understands. But I, I think it really gets in the way of just the clarity of, hey, let's get get everybody to the best doctors and and that'll lower the cost for everyone. Now, in your experience, would would you identify, by the way, horse trading is just a really nice way of saying the shenanigans inside of healthcare. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, so maybe when you get really nice, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you to maybe just get a little edgy. Dial it um, up. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think wouldn't logic dictate that better doctors just charge more? Yeah. Well, so the problem is that up until now, there's been no mechanism to really understand physician quality and to compensate people by physician quality. I'll tell you a quick anecdote, which is um, we, I talked with a primary care doctor just a week or two ago who basically over, he's a young guy, he's in his forties, um, took over a practice of somebody in their seventies. And what he found, what it used to be is, um, that the way you get paid as a primary care doctor is in order to be able to bill a certain level of office visit, you have to give everybody a test. And so if you give people a lab test, turns out you can bill a level four visit which is really, which is more lucrative than billing a level two or three visit. So every time any one of his patients would come in, this elder, this older primary care doctor would give everybody a cholesterol test. You don't need a cholesterol test every quarter. It's not something that has at all helpful um, for almost any part of the population. And so then this guy, this younger doctor took on the older doctor's panel and, and every patient wanted their cholesterol test because the other doctor had said, <laughs> you know, this is what you do. And then wow. he's in the position of either sitting down for 20 minutes and describing this to the patient and why they don't need it and getting paid less or saying, listen, I'm going to move on with my day. I'll give you the darn cholesterol test. And so the system's really not set up yet so that doctors get paid more to do the right thing. 
And wow. so that's one of the things that we're really working on is how do we change the system? So the doctors sit in that room and say, you know what, if I do the right thing, I'm going to get paid more, not, uh, I'll just do it and move on with my day. Wow. So I like how we're talking about high quality healthcare. Can you kind of explain to our listeners what defines high quality healthcare compared to maybe like medium or low and how does that work? Yeah, we think about it as, um, you know, it's kind of like for anybody who likes golf, we think about it as, as whether the swing looks good and whether the outcomes are good. So mm -hmm. in medicine, it's really whether people follow the right process along the way, whether it looks good as people are going through the process, and then what are the outcomes that people generate on the back end? So process, we're going to look at, you know, essentially what does the literature say is the right way to treat this disease? When should you get this test? When should you get this drug? When should you get this procedure? And making sure all of that is evidence-based, based on the literature, that people are getting all the screenings they need, but none of those expensive surgeries that are going to actually leave them worse off. That's process. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. No, I was just going to say, so, you know, one of the things for our, for our viewers is, so Nick's not a doctor. So how, how does Garner define quality? So, mm -hmm. so and, and, I, and I'm aware yeah. of some of the, some of the, databases that you're looking at, some of the sources of that that you're looking at. Help us kind of understand how do you come to that conclusion of what's high quality and what's low quality? Yeah, so so we think it's really com important to combine three things. The one first is clinical expertise, the second is the actual literature, and the third one is data. And so, and we haven't actually seen anybody put those three things together. And that's really what Garner is all about. So we've actually aggregated 60% of all the healthcare claims in the country. This is something that you couldn't have done five, seven, 10 years ago. So it's a really new innovation to be able to actually look at the data. And then what we do is we have a clinical team composed of expert physicians in every subspecialty of medicine and health economists that are just re reading all the literature that's out there. And basically we have the data scientists, the, the clinicians and the health economists put their heads together and define what that right care path is. And then we can run it through with thousands of patients for every doctor to really understand their performance. And that's the basic idea of, of what we've done. So Nick, how close are the carriers to putting all these three criteria that you listed together? Yeah, well, I think the structural, there's a bunch of uh, structural issues with doing it at a carrier. The first is it's actually hard to get the data because there's a bunch of um, reasons if you're a carrier, you can't get other carriers data, you can't get you know government data, there's a bunch of restrictions on you. So you can't get the data, you're actually regulated by the states and the states have had all sorts of issues. So you have to go one by one and get approvals from most states and that's a pain in the neck. Um, and then you have to have the advanced technology and the wherewithal to do that, not to mention all those contracting issues. So if you actually look at what those the carriers have put together on distinction networks, it's really um, you know, a lot thinner as a result of all those restrictions that, that are put on the carriers. So you're, obviously you are, I, I wanna call you a data geek and I'm sorry if that offends you, but data is like you, you adore it. Uh, and, I prefer and, data nerd, Scott. Okay, perfect. Data nerd is better. Yeah, so, you know, when I first met you, I just came to the conclusion you're a heck of a lot smarter than I am. So you saw this huge economic problem. So this $3 trillion healthcare um, spinning wheel of, of all this information. And then, so Garner comes up as kind of like the solution. 
how do I take all this data? So in your opinion, based on um, of the physicians across the board, what percentage of doctors operate in this high quality stratosphere inside Gardner Health? Yeah, it's typically about 25%. Um, it'll vary by subspecialty and geography and area. Um, that's about the number. There's no sort of magic cutoff there where where you all of a sudden, you know, it's not like there's a small number that's amazing and everybody else is terrible. It's really sort of a grayscale in between them. But in our product, we typically select the top 25% of high-performing physicians and drive drive uh, employees and recommend them to those. And, and that's more than sufficient to give them many different options with great appointment availability for them. This brings me just to thinking about how I choose my own doctors. And we were kind of joking earlier. We're like, oh, our company sends out an email if they're ever looking for a dentist or a dermatologist. And it's our all MB email and say, hey, I need a recommendation. And I feel like that's a, a lot of how my friends get their doctor recs, Facebook, word of mouth from your from your coworkers. So how, how does this mess with Garner Health's process? Do you like that or do you not like that? Well, listen, we don't want to stop anybody from asking around and, and that can have a, an important component, but but we think that it's it's over time making decisions based on evidence and data will will I think be a really important component of how people make decisions and we think is sort of the next the next cutting edge. And when we survey users and people, they largely say the reason why I send out emails to my friends and Facebook and whatever is because I don't have any data because it's been so hard to really understand all this has been obfuscated. And so now, now that if you actually have that data, a lot of our employees that are on our platform are like, thank goodness I have this. And, and they stop actually sending those emails and they start directing them to us. And so we think that's really what's gonna happen. Obviously reviews and word of mouth, that can play a complete, you have to have a good experience there. But if you really wanna know the health outcomes over time, you need the data and that's what we add to the equation. Can you explain your guys' process? Is there an app involved? I know my process may not be the best technological one, but how does Garner Health's process work? Great question. So for employees, it's really simple. So we're basically just a better search tool. You can download our app in the app store, Garner Health. Um, you can go on our website, getgarner.com, or you can call our concierge and there's a person there. And you can either on any of those, you can text, you can actually talk to a real person. And what they'll do is they'll understand your care need and then they'll share data with you about who are the best performers in your area for your need. And they'll actually give you statistics and real data that says, hey, here's the health outcomes of this doctor. Here's the complication rate. Here's how accurately they diagnose things. And so that's basically how it is. Call, text, email, and there you go. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that too is, you know, either we call our mom, right, or we call our friends, and just because a doctor's nice, right, doesn't mean he or she delivers high quality healthcare. Yeah, and uh, you know, an example that I my my brother's wife um, had uh, had a health condition and she went to a doctor in a rural area. It was deemed, hey, we're going to do a biopsy. We think this is cancer. Obviously, that's very traumatic. Um, I got on the phone, called a specialist here in Dayton, got her in. She went to there. It's not cancer. We don't need a biopsy. Wow. Um, surgery would be the last thing that we can do. And it changed Goodness. complete perception. And, and, and Nick understands this, but 
Um, it happens every single day. My wife's doctor, she retired, but actually charged level four office visit every time. Wow. So $189 for an office visit. Mine was level two. It was about $85. And my wife kept saying, well, she's been in the business a long time. I'm like, no, it's a coding issue. Now, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's overwhelming an audience. Mm -hmm. But I think what, what Gardner brings to the table is the fact that they're looking at all this information and who's the best. Uh, and, and one of the things that was interesting too, Nick, was the fact that you only give people, is it three options? Four options? Usually three to five options. Yeah. Three to five options, yeah. Why is that? Well, it turns out that you do a bunch of consumer surveys. People only want three to five options. They don't <laughs> want 500. Like the people, if you go to the supermarket, nobody wants 500 different types of cereals in one aisle. It's crazy, right? Um, you want a few, but you don't want too many. And the problem is in healthcare, what people have been used to is getting 500 options because they've been used to having to call down and figuring it out on their own. And so I got a call in my insurance directory and I go through and I call, make seven phone calls just to find somebody that can please treat me in a time frame that's reasonable. And I don't even care if they're really any good. I just need to get in, right? And we solve all that using the data, making sure every doctor has appointment availability, is you know the phone number's right, um, the availability is there, and they're high quality. And once you solve all that, then it turns out people only want five options. Um, they don't want they don't want many hundreds. And if you're an employer and you're listening to this, the other benefit is that you're sure people when they use the program are really going to get high quality care that's going to lower the total cost of care. So that that's the basic trade is the employees love it because they get really curated options and the employers. It's better because you're actually really sure somebody's getting to that high quality care and lowering their total cost of care. So as we're on this topic of employees. Do they trust you? Do they trust Garner? Or do they think you're just trying to give them the cheapest doctor? Yeah, um, obviously building trust is critical. What we, um, you know, what, and we spend a lot of time on it. Us being really neutral helps. So we're never paid by doctors. We're not in any way compensated by them. And that's really important. Um, having a concierge person that gets to know them personally Every employer gets their team. That's really important. So mine is Megan. I call Megan and she's right there for me. You know, that's really important. And then sharing the data and being transparent is really important so that it's not like trust us. This is a, you know, this doctor gets five stars. No, no, wait, well, what do you mean? Well, let's look at the data together and you can actually see what we mean. We're, this is our honest assessment of it. And we don't have any incentive to send you to any place but the highest quality. And those, those are key components. Do the carriers, do you think they're threatened by, by Garner Health? I, so I started this and I thought the carriers were going to hate this. It's my honest view. <laughs> and what we've found actually is surprisingly the carriers kind of like this. The reason why is, um, is because A, they've been trying to do something like this for a long time, but had handcuffs or not been able to do it or whatever. And all, honestly, as we are able to sort of, as a third party, do something that they've been wanting to do, we've actually gotten a lot more support than we thought. Obviously, that can vary carrier by carrier and, and that sort of thing. But, but overall, we've, I've been somewhat surprised that it, it's been more positive than I would have thought. Yeah, because I think what you're doing is because even contractually, there's things they would want to do, the carriers. Contractually, they can't. Right. So I think they would, and, and, and it's good to hear that they see you as a compliment 
to drive higher quality, which equals, believe it or not, much lower costs inside the healthcare system. But the other thing that 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 you do is you pr provide a really neat incentive for employees to use Gardner Health. So it's just not an yeah, that's, yeah, right. It's just so yeah. I, you know, I got a doctor, I can find a high quality physician. But you know, the, the way your model works is the fact that like I can get paid by using high quality physicians, right, which is really cool. So help us understand how that transaction works. Yeah, we think that's a really important part to the employee engagement piece and um, and also enriching the benefits. The basic idea is if I told you you're going to fund an, uh, you know, an HSA match, a lower deductible, anything like that as the employer, you say, I'd love to, but my employees will never, you know, my, my finance team, I just can't do it for my budget. Garner's a little different. The basic idea is that when employees use the tool, we know the employer is the total cost of care is going to be $4,000 less. So there's going to be huge savings whenever an employee uses the tool for an episode of care. We take some of that money back and we cover the employees out of pocket when they use it. So it's an engagement-based benefit. But if an employee engages with the program, they've all of a sudden got the richest benefits that there are. They've got, you know, up to the employer, but covering a thousand or two dollars of the out of their out of pocket, really rich benefits, but only if they engage with the program. So and that's Benzie, really the key. Facebook doesn't pay you for, uh, for that. Gosh, so if you use Garner, it. then you get paid for 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 looking. I know. Yeah. I know. So Nick, I I like that we're on the topic of money. It's a great service for employees, employers, but it's not free. So how does Garner get paid during this transaction? Sure. We charge the employers a pretty low subscription fee on a per employee basis. We keep that pretty low relative. You know, it's basically like an administering another FSA or HRA or something like that. So that's um, that's what we do. And and that allows us to be neutral in the process. Yeah, I think what's and it, and you've got and the other thing that uh, during our phone conversations, too, you're willing to put um, your money where your mouth is. So you're, you're willing to give an employer a guarantee or yeah correct yeah the basic idea there is um is you know we not only put our fees at risk but we actually put our own our own money and our own capital at risk for employers who are interested in the program so we'll work together set a plan design and we'll give you a savings guarantee a lot of the time that that guarantee is actually zero percent trend or less meaning my for the first time ever my healthcare costs are going to go down next year not up um, and if you don't get that on your entire plan, then you not only get our fees back, you get our capital too, and we cover that gap. And so we find that to be, you know, a lot of people say, well, this seems too good to be true. And we say, well, if it is, then, you know, we're putting our money behind it. And, you know, the worst thing that happens is you get a big check from, from Garner in the mail at the end of the year. Wow. Fantastic. So, um, are, are you for every employer? Are there employers that maybe this might not work for? Um, I would say almost every employer we work with. So we work fully insured down to 20 employees and we work self-insured. Our largest client is many thousands of employees and sort of really everything in, in between. And we have high deductible plans and consumer driven plans. We have standard PPOs. We have employers with almost no deductible and we have employers with a four or $5,000 deductible. So, you know, we, uh, there's almost never do we come across a case and we say, boy, we can't really help. The basic idea is that everyone can benefit from getting higher quality care. Um, and, and our platform is built to be really flexible so that people don't need to change their carrier 
They can keep their fully insured plan. They can keep their self-insured TPA. And we just sit on top and optimize what they're doing, which allows us to work for, for really almost any employer out there. Man, Garner makes me feel like you're a little healthcare, healthcare hero. There you go. So, Nick, as we wrap up this conversation, I'd love to hear, is there something we didn't ask you that we should have that you want our listeners to know? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think really the, um, the important thing, I think, is to understand that we're at a unique time for employers. I think generally in 2021, it's the first year, a couple things are happening. One, healthcare costs for employers are going to be more than profits, the first time ever in history. And, and that's because the economy is a little weak, revenues are weak for a lot of companies, and also healthcare costs are bouncing back in a post-COVID world. People are coming back to the doctors. So what we're seeing out there is that more and more employers are actually starting to put their toe in the water of more innovative programs. Um, and where we, we sort of sit is as a good first step as you think, hey, I haven't really thought about um, you know, getting more complicated, more value-driven benefits, what do I do? Really easy to get started with us. You don't have to change what you're doing. So, you know, I think that would be what I would focus on is that I think every, the market is changing and what what is normal for the average employer is really changing. And we think 2021 and 2022 are going to be big years for that. Right. I am, I'm fascinated, Nick. I, Scott and I were both interested what was kind of your aha moment? You explained a little bit earlier that you had some experience with low, low quality care, but what made you say, I need to start my own company. I need to make Garner Health. And like, what enlightened you to become the CEO today? Yeah, I think you, um, uh, it's sort of, I remember hearing somebody talk about being an actor or an artist and it's like, do anything else you can, um, unless you really can't do anything else. And I think starting a business <laughs> is a bit that way where- where you know it's it's a lot of late nights and all that, but but if you really, I just ultimately thought that this is a problem that was worth solving, and I didn't see anybody else solving it, and so I sort of you know said, hey, listen, we got we got to go do this, and I sort of lobbied hard in various ways that come at Oscar and otherwise, and and obviously there's just headwinds to doing that in any insurance company, so I said, all right, well I guess we got to go do this now, um, and and then we started the thing you know several years ago. Well, we've done a lot of work. Um, vetting and kind of exploring this innovation because mm -hmm. a lot of times we can get really drunk on sexy ideas. So for our audience, um, this is, th this, it's a heck of a lot more than just an app. Right. I mean, it's a strategy. It's an economic strategy. It benefits the employee. It benefits the employer. And at the end of the day, Nick, one of the things too, that's really interesting, a recent, you know, article uh, came out jam article that said 30% of healthcare is unnecessary and wasteful spend 30%. Yeah. It's gigantic. So as, as we wrap up, when, when you think about the top 25% of high quality, uh, physicians, uh, when you, when you think of the 30% waste inside of healthcare, what you, what in your estimation, um, can high quality healthcare providers do to eradicate that 30% waste and unnecessary spend? Yeah, mo uh, we find that our top quality doctors lower the cost by just about 30% in total. So they cut that unnecessary spend by two thirds. So if we look at all the unnecessary wasteful care, they cut that in two thirds. And they also save you a little bit of money because they tend to do things in a slightly more efficient setting. 
you know, remove an unnecessary specialty drug when you don't need one. So lower your costs a little bit in other ways. So they get that 30% down by two thirds and they save you some money on some other costs, equaling 30% on your total cost of care. While of course, the other thing we find is that your employees get two healthy days back per year um, when they see a top doctor. So two days out of their lives mm -hmm. every year per patient, they get back while you're saving 30%. I like that data. Wow. Well, we're going to have a webinar coming up with Nick. And so uh, if you're listening and you're interested, let us know. We'll send you some information on when Gardner Health is coming out and McGowan Braverner is going to talk about it in a bigger way. Right. So, Nick, um, unfortunately, we have to wrap up. But if listeners want to learn more, how can they contact you or Gardner Health? Yeah. So you can always go on our website, which is getgarner.com. So G-T-G-A-R-N-E-R.com. And then you can email me, nick at getgarner.com as well. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Nick, for joining us. We love this conversation today. We can't wait to have more partnerships with Garner in the future. And to our listeners, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at kinsey at healthierbirthdays.com. Or scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Right. So thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you guys next time on Side Effects. Thank you both.